This week on Art in the Air, our whole feature interview is with artist, designer, photographer, and creative director known for his surreal use of color and light, pioneering juxtapositions of traditional and digital mediums, Chuck Anderson. Our spotlight is with Im Productions Director of Operations, Nelson Beliquez, about their post-COVID improv productions and classes. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Larry Art on the air today Stay in the know with Larry and Esther Art on the air our way Express yourself to art And show the world your heart Express yourself to art And show the world your heart Welcome. You're listening to Art on the Air on WVLP 103.1 FM and Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM, our weekly program covering arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. I'm Larry Breckner of New Perspectives Photography, right alongside here with Esther Golden of The Nest in Michigan City. Aloha, everyone. We're your hosts for Art on the Air. Art on the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant through South Shore Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. Art on the Air streams live at WVLP.org and is rebroadcast on Monday at 5 p.m. Plus is also heard on Lakeshore Public Radio, 89.1 FM, every Sunday at 7 p.m., also streaming live at lakeshorepublicradio.org and is available on Lakeshore Public Radio's website as a podcast. Our spotlight interviews are also heard Wednesdays on Lakeshore Public Radio. Information about Art on the Air is available at our website, breck.com slash AOTA. That's breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com slash AOTA. That includes a complete show archive, spotlight interviews, plus our show is available on multiple podcast platforms, including NPR One. Please like us on Facebook, Art on the Air, WVLP, for information about upcoming shows and interviews. We'd like to welcome to Art on the Air, Nelson Velasquez, who is from Improv Productions, which is part of the whole uh, wonderful operation. He's director of operations. And, of course, they've been kind of shut down because of the pandemic, and now they're getting ready to do a lot more initiatives. So tell us a little about it. Nelson, welcome to Art of the Air Spotlight. Hey, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Welcome. Good to see you again. Good to see you. Good to see you. It's weird seeing you because it's been a while. It's been a while <laughs> since we've seen a lot of people, right? It's still weird. I still get weirded out by it. I yeah. know. It's just a big – it feels like a big time warp. It's like <laughs> it has – is it a day or is it a year and a half? You know, everything feels like 2019 again, doesn't it? That's for sure. Well, and Esther and I haven't seen each other face-to-face except through Zoom, though that will change shortly since a year ago, March. So it's been kind of strange. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's been strange for everybody. I mean, from from an improv perspective, you know, we are we've been going for since the pandemic started. I mean, we've been doing online shows, doing the Zoom shows online. Uh, for a year, every Saturday, 7 o'clock p.m. Central, we've been doing The Grid, and that's been holding us over. But we have done a few shows live, and it's been weird, even though I've seen these people twice a week for the last year and a half. It's still weird to me uh, having those people there. Well, yeah, and you know, using Zoom for improv is... It's different because so much of the body language is part of improv. You know, the little nonverbal signals and looks and things, which sort of come across in Zoom, but not the same way. Right, right. So, so we developed. I mean, there's like a we've developed a, a approach to it from the perspective of like it's now about connectivity 
versus relationship or the content of what we do. Like if we can make you believe that we are in the same like head third eye space that, that we invoke when we're in the same room with the, with our audience, if we're able to do that online, then we are like more than, than ahead of the curve. And so that, that kind of brings in those kinds of things, those cues that you talk about of like, we're able to build on those. Once we get connected, it's, it's the same feeling uh, that we get. It's just, you know, we're not able to touch. <laughs> we're not able to be, you know, physically uh, connected to each other. So tell us what you've got coming up uh, now that you're getting back into the whole improv game. Yeah, so we've been uh, we've been blessed. We got uh, mentioned on Late Night with Stephen Colbert recently because we've been doing shows uh, on the beach. We're doing beach prov again. Uh, so we're at uh, the Dunes, um, Indiana Dunes National Park. We're doing shows there. We're doing two shows in uh, August, uh, two shows in September, and we just did two shows in July. So, um, so we're we're blessed that he even mentioned us. Jim Gaffigan even did a bit about us, and so we're really excited about wow. the fact we were mentioned uh, on a national scale. So we had a pretty good turnout the last one, and we're hoping to build up on that. So you know, if you're out on the beach, come and join us. It's free. You do have to pay for park admission, but the show itself is absolutely free. Sure. Um, and then we've got a, a show coming up. Our first self-produced show uh, is coming up, and it's um, called Dynamic Duos. And we're going to be featuring dynamic duos across uh, northwest Indiana and um, uh, southern Illinois who are going to come out. And we're going to see two person, two, a bunch of two-person acts doing musical, doing a bunch of different things, and, and enjoying um, their – um, you know, what they have to offer. I will be a part of that show. So you definitely want to come out and see that. <laughs> Who's your duo? My duo is called Love and Improv. We're actually online right now. We're doing uh, online. Sh- we've been doing off and on uh, roughly run season three now. We've been roughly doing six week runs online. And what we do is we take, it's kind of a, like a love line slash a relationship show. So we take people's questions about their relationships and then we answer them through the lens of love and improv and you all relationships are improvised and we figured hey might as well uh do this live and see what that's like taking the virtual show and bringing it to the real world see how that goes did you have classes for people that are interested in getting involved in the improv yeah we do uh the the easiest way to look those things up is basically go hit our website we've got adult show adult uh classes coming up as well as uh team prov uh, classes coming up and those are going to be running in September and October time frame. So they can go by and check those out at our website at inproductionsllc.com and uh, check out our, our workshops there. And uh, they have beginner, but you also have something for maybe some more advanced. Right now, no, actually, a lot of our stuff is for the beginner. We're, we're having to rebuild our, our repertoire uh, as it is because a lot of things have changed due to the pandemic. So uh, at this point, it's all for ma- mainly targeted for, for beginners. But if you're more advanced and you want to get involved with us, just hit us up on our Facebook page, uh, In Productions LLC, or you can hit us up on, on uh, Instagram as well at In Productions LLC. And where do you um, work out of as far as the space when you get back in, in person? So primarily working out of a space in, in uh, Crown Point, Indiana, uh, it's a it's a Crown Brewery uh, is what it's called. We're working out of that space, but we're also all over the place. We're in different theaters. We've done stuff with 4th Street Theater in Chesterton. We've done stuff with East Wind Studios in Chesterton. We've done some stuff in Portage as well. So we're kind of all over the place right now. 
Well, if you're interested, it's mproductionsllc.com. Uh, That's Nelson Villacquez, Director of Operations for it. Thank you so much for being on Art on the Air Spotlight, Nelson. Such, Thank yeah, you for such me. terrific work, Nelson. Thank you. Appreciate it. You're listening to Art on the Air, WVLP 103.1 FM, and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. We'd like to welcome to Art in the Air, established in 2004 at the age of 18, No Pattern Studio. It's a Chicago art practice of an artist, designer, photographer, creative director, known for his surreal use of color and light, pioneering these juxtapositions of traditional and digital medium. Please welcome to Art in the Air, Chuck Anderson from No Pattern Studio. Hi, thanks for having me. Pleasure yeah, to be aloha, here. welcome. Thank you. Well, Chuck, what we'd like our audience to hear is kind of your story, your journey, like I described, is like how you got from where you were to where you are now. Sure. Well, uh, I feel like I have various versions of the story depending on how much time I have, you know. So, um, you know, you I, have, I, I you think... You have plenty of time. Yeah. So just, think, yeah. Yeah, you know, so I'm, I'm just to frame it up uh, very chronologically. So I'm 36 now. Um, so I've basically, half my life has been spent uh, <laughs> as a student up through high school. And then the second half of my life, which I'm firmly in right now, is the last 18 years have been... Uh, mean sort of navigating, you know, my, my career uh, over various, you know, different paths throughout that time. So, yeah, I mean, growing up, I, I loved art. I loved to draw. My my dad loved to draw. He would draw comic book characters and, you know, with, with colored pencils. And, and, and I just admired his, um, you know, his abilities to just look at something and draw really quickly. Uh, and I just came to love art. You know, I, I participated really heavily in, in art, you know, classes in school and in all the competition type things in junior high and high school and uh, until, uh, you know, I, I eventually was introduced to, you know, Microsoft Paint at some family friend's house and I was completely and utterly fascinated by the immediacy with which I was able to to work and undo things and it was very gratifying to sort of be introduced, you know, and draw and create things on a computer in such a way where I could fill something in quickly or I could undo something immediately and I think I was just really uh, taken by that. Um, and so, yeah, computers became really, uh, important to my, my work. And I got a illegally downloaded copy of Photoshop at some point in <laughs> high school. And, um, you know, just, and it's funny cause I've told clients at Adobe that since, and they're like, yeah, that's, that's how we acquired a lot of our customers. <laughs> so, right. Like, look, it's just, you know, there was a, there was a point in time where that was just like, I couldn't afford it and you just do what you got to do. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's just been, um, you know, a lot of teaching myself, a lot of, you know, I, I would go to Borders bookstore and get books about Photoshop. I, I ended up getting a job there, which helped me be able to bypass the fact that I couldn't afford the books because you could check them out like as an employee. And so that was a dream come true as a broke 16 year old kid. So you know, I, it was just a lot of sort of fascination at that age and, and pre-social media. The Internet hadn't really sort of eaten the world the way that it has, uh, you know, in this day and age. So, um, you know, so eventually just. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no. So, Chuck, did, did the yeah. school support any of this, like any of your artistic yeah, um, it's a, curiosities? Yeah, you know, I was really lucky. I went to a public high school um, in the south suburb of Chicago called Lincoln Way, and I was really lucky. I had I had a couple teachers that really acknowledged my my abilities um, and were really super supportive. They were skeptical when I told them that I wasn't going to go to college. I really kind of got a stern talking to about if I knew what I was <laughs> deciding. Um, 
But uh, yeah, they were, and I'm still in touch with those those teachers. They made a really big impact in my life. And between the support of my parents and, and you know, there was three teachers in particular who just really let me be me. And it was really, it made a huge difference in my life. And, you know, at one point I had taught myself more about Photoshop you know, by 2001, 2002, it was very new, especially in school settings. And they really just, they put me in an independent study. They were like, you go in the computer lab and you make up your own projects and show us what you got. Cause we don't really know how to help teach you at this point with this stuff besides like composition and, and the basics of fundamentals of art. So yeah, I was really supported in that way. I feel really super lucky. I, they made a real big impact in my life and, and uh, I, I really do owe them a lot to the confidence and the just general support that I got for sure at that time. And then, yeah, it was a matter of skipping college, not in any sort of sexy, like, Oh, I'm going to start a company in my garage and grow it. It was just, <laughs> I don't have the, I don't have the money. You know, I don't know what I'm doing here. I, I don't know. And uh, I just really hustled and worked really I, hard. It's really hard for, I think artists to figure out what they're actually going to study in, mm-hmm. in a university sure. setting. There's like no, yeah, it's not like engineering. Right, yeah. And, and I don't know, I probably would have gone down a graphic design path to start with uh, and, and maybe photography and, um, you know, but yeah, for, for me, it was just, you know, a matter of self-teaching. And, and in that first year out of high school, I I really started getting fortunate with some client projects. And it was really sort of this slow snowball over the course of that next year or two to where it went from like, club flyer to editorial in ESPN magazine to working with Microsoft all in the span of a year and a half, basically two years um, as a result of basically like setting up a website and then sending emails to people. The story I tell to students all the time, and I still use this sort of strategy to this day is these cold emails. And I would, I would guess email addresses trying to get in touch with magazines. I noticed magazines were hiring artists and designers and I always wanted to know how that connection was made. Um, and so I would look in the masthead of the magazine, find the editor, art director's name, go home, type out a nice email, quick introduction of myself and my, my website, uh, which was very thin at the time, but it was what I had. And I would send like 20 emails out to 20 different addresses, your first name, dot, last name, last name, underscore, first initial, you know, and get bounce, <laughs> bounce back after bounce back until one didn't bounce back. And that yielded a lot of really good results. That's how I ended up getting work with ESPN and the Chicago Bulls and, you know, all sorts of brands and agencies and I just feel like I think I've got something here you know and I just kept building and next thing I know I was like I don't know if college is ever going to be a thing for me at this point um and I was just lucky in that way you know I guess so. I think maybe college for you would have been restrictive actually because you just want to experiment and grow fast I yeah, mean sometimes I, faster than you can be taught yeah, by somebody else I, I was, I've, I've always been a bit impatient creatively. I, I really don't have the patience to, I've gotten better over the years, but certainly at that time I felt an urgency, you know, a sense of like, I need to figure this out. I don't have money. I don't have, there's no, my parents don't have money for me. There's not some big backup plan here. It's either I do this or I, I keep working at a, you know, wherever, you know, I'd gotten a job at a screen printing shop, uh, which ended up being how I learned Adobe Illustrator. And, and I learned that from a guy there learning how to, do separations for t-shirts and that became a really foundational part of my practice and a medium that I use very much to this day. And I know how to use it because I learned some basics, you know, just by doing and and by having someone teach me very hands-on in that context. So yeah, I think it was good for me. It was the right path for me, you know, but I, for other people, I always acknowledge that school might be the, the sort of 
structure that other people learn a lot better. I, I do right. much better when I'm left to my own devices. It's just, yeah. You know, Personality like, thing. You know, the yeah. tools I see you use is, of course, Photoshop, Illustrator, but then Audition. So do you do uh, voice work too? Oh, that's funny. Where where did you? So I used to have a podcast. Okay, um, maybe that's it then. <laughs> so I had to teach. I had to teach myself audition at one point. Um, you know, I I'm the oldest of four. My dad was a pastor. My grandfather, my great grandfather, they were all pastors. I started. I just grew up seeing all the the people in my family speak in in public and talk. And I got invited to speak at a very young age uh, at a design conference in New York. The first time I ever spoke, you know spoke publicly. You know, I, I had just turned. 21 maybe and i was in at the lincoln center at a design conference called semi-permanent in front of a thousand people with an hour to myself <laughs> i just had this irrational confidence that well it's in my blood i can do this and um but that's uh, you know I, I learned that i really love talking to other artists talking with people just speaking about my work speaking about other people's work and their paths so i basically did what we're doing right now as a podcast that i called life and limb i did for about a year back in 2014 and I only did 20 episodes and it became more work than I felt like doing. <laughs> and uh, I recently kind of brought it back just in the form of like a clubhouse and interviewing some people on, you know, Twitter spaces or clubhouse and just to be able to kind of have that forum to uh, just chat with interesting people in front of an audience is something I, I really enjoy. But yeah, that was kind of the only thing in terms of the audition tool. Um, now everybody just understands audio quality. Not you guys, of course, you probably have both far more uh, respect for things sounding really good. But I think the average everyday person is just like, oh, AirPod quality, iPhone quality, just <laughs> whatever, it's fine. But um, so the, it just made it easier and more accessible, I think, more frequently with some of these new apps that have kind of facilitated these sort of dialogue uh, spaces in that way. But yeah, Photoshop and Illustrator, to me, are the sort of technological tools. But I guess the age that I grew up, I mean, I grew up drawing. So for me, I'm still... If I'm in Photoshop, I'm still drawing using a tablet, pen tablet, you know, bringing in my own photography, hand done elements that I've created and, and, and weaving those elements into um, what I see as just another tool that I use to compose my work. Right. Yeah, I, I still use Photoshop, but I ha luckily got them through the educational thing, so I got the educational discount. But I'm locked in at CS5. I wish I did CS uh, or, or Photoshop 6 before it became the cloud. <laughs> and the only problem yeah. I have is uh, my, my newest camera, the Canon 5DSR, um, I, I have to import it through a DNG uh, because it won't. I can't update the raw import. So. Uh, and I guess one yeah, of these days I'll do that. Yeah, Photoshop and all these programs have really evolved a lot. Um, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, I've rolled back the versions I have because I just don't need some of the stuff that's been like piled in there, yeah. you know. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, the tools evolve every day, and I think what really excites me is the, you know, just the concept of of access to tools for more people and younger people at a more affordable price point is exciting to me. Just because it was a lot of the stuff was very cost prohibitive to me when I was a teenager, and now. It's stuff is generally more affordable to, to students and to more people. I think it could be even better, but yeah. it is exciting to me to think about just what the internet has opened up and tools have opened up to more people uh, from different backgrounds with different you know abilities to afford whatever they can. I think there's just more and more. Even like a there's a lot of really great creative like one dollar apps out there. So overall, yeah, I mean like just to me, I think it's been really fascinating to follow along over the last 20 years or so of, of the rise of digital art and digital tools. 
um, you know, how far they've come in a relatively short amount of time. Yeah, we produced a show actually on a free app called Audacity. Uh, I'm familiar with Audition. And actually, the radio station, the main radio station, they're just converting now, are using Cool Edit, which ended in 2004, <laughs> which was the predecessor <laughs> to Audition. So, uh, I mean, whatever works. Whatever works. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, do you... Um Speaking about what you just said, do you have you had the desire or even the time to teach at all? Like um, younger, I'm thinking more younger students. Um, so in way in like pockets here and there, yeah. Um, I have not taken on any sort of like adjunct teaching role or anything like at you know any schools. It's something that honestly, like later in my life, I really would like to do. Um, and again, I think I mentioned earlier, but, you know, I'm the oldest of four and I have a daughter and I've got a son on the way in a, in a couple of weeks, actually. Um, oh, yay. <laughs> so, you know, teaching and mentoring and just and sort of helping young people creatively with, you know, their careers or technically or whatever has been really important to me through my career. So I feel like the answer would be yes, just not necessarily in a, in a school setting. Um, sure. You know, I've, I've gone and spoken at a lot of colleges i've gone back to my old high school and i've spoken and sort of taught and, and spoke there and 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 done you know um you know sort of teaching online uh and you know I, i've always tried to be really diligent and good about as much as i can um you know tried to answer people's emails you know i've gotten emails for years and years hundreds of emails over the years from people all around the world just asking how like how did you get started or like can you you know, and and I've tried to take the time to be to be thoughtful and, and you know, as much as I can. I can't respond to everything, you know, but, um, you know, I, I've tried to pay it forward in that way because I did have a lot of people help me, you know, when I got yeah, started. Yeah, so. it's like what you described was almost a utopian high school experience. And it would seem <laughs> like you could give that to like even even if it was just a few people, that extra mm. bit of guidance or desire inspiration yeah maybe. certainly you know uh, um yeah i mean it wasn't like a yeah utopia is definitely extreme but i mean my specific circumstances in in at the time and in hindsight i think uh were really good i, I was just I, I felt like my talents and my abilities and my sort of like what i wanted to do were were encouraged and embraced which is odd when i think back at the time i mean literally mm -hmm. everyone else was going to college unless they were going to some like sort of trade or something um so, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it was good. So I, I think um, I'm just right. fascinated Well, I mean, how many, how many students get to say, okay, here, go here and do, you know, you go ahead and do it, you know, rather than yeah. trying to fit you into their time schedule or, or yeah. plan. It was like yeah. pretty yeah. great. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So for your, yourself personally, do you have an element or a maybe a situation that sparks your creativity. Like for, for me personally, it would be water, any kind of water. It could be being at the ocean or even mm. hearing a faucet drip. You know, that seems to be the spark that opens, you know, my creativity. Do you have, do you work like that at all? Sure. Um, interesting question. I don't think I have something as pointed as you have with that. Um, I'm not sure that there's something. Be, yeah. I think that's great. I mean, I think that's something I could see happening uh, eventually for me. Um, I don't know. It's such a weird thing. It's such, it feels like such a precious thing, but like uh, 
you know, time of day or just like frame of mind, you know, like there's times where I feel rushed and I'm like, I can't start something new right now. Like I need a clean slate. My office has to be perfect. I need to get all my ducks in a row. Things need to be just right, you know? And, and uh, like, I just, where you're interviewing me right now, where we're talking is a brand new studio. I just moved into uh, here on the North side of Chicago. I've been in here for three weeks now. And, you know, as you can see, there's just boxes and some things in the back and, I've, I love the space I'm in enough. I've been able to be productive, but it's driving me nuts that I've just got like papers and things kind of on the floor. <laughs> um, it's funny. I'm a generally pretty neat, organized person. My emails very organized. Like I know a lot of artists are, are definitely not that way and they can work amongst the clutter and the chaos. Um, I can, if that's like what's happening in the midst of the creation process, but right, generally in the speaking, moment. Mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I generally find that I just need like a peaceful frame of mind and a peaceful environment. And to know I have like, a, a chunk of time ahead of me in order to create. Like I, I, it's hard for me to know, like, all right, I'm gonna have to leave to pick my daughter up in an hour. If I have a client deadline, I'm like, okay, I need to get something done in the next half an hour. That's fine. But like, I really just need that sort of time and space to think if I really am starting something brand new. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, for me, it's just, I've always just gotten so, so fulfilled by making something out of nothing. If I just, there's something really exciting to me about a sheet of paper and a pen. Like I could entertain myself for hours as a kid with like just a blank canvas of any kind or like going to a restaurant and there's like a paper, you know, um, you know, table, tablecloth. This is like a big sheet of paper. Like it was the greatest thing to me. I asked my mom for a pen or marker or whatever. And I could just sit there and draw for as until it was time to go. And I think, I don't know. It's just, it's it, it like, I don't know. I, I guess uh, I, it just feeds me creatively and, 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 Every, in every way, I just, I like to make things. And um, now I think the spark for me is a little bit different in that now I've got a daughter, you know, once I had my, my daughter and she's almost four, um, my reason for creating and my purpose changed a lot. There was a real evolution that I felt very uh, tangibly sort of mentally and, and maybe spiritually and even physically with her, where I was like willing to push myself because I felt like I'm now making for her and her future and my family's future and so that kind of propelled me into like a new space where i was like sometimes i have to put all the sort of things aside and just i have to get this done or i have to work or whatever because i'm this is now for more than just me or more than just my career it's about it's about family now now that's become the driving force in my life is like thinking about providing for them as an independent artist like you know it's scary there's no guarantees like i could things could dry up and and people could lose interest in my work. So for me, it's like, I don't want that to happen. So it's, it's, it's all on me. No one's doing it for me. So that's really the driving force at the moment. Um, but yeah, yeah. I wish I could just say water. That sounds so, that's such an <laughs> elegant response. Uh, really well, nice also the, question, you know, it would be but, yeah. water and wind, you know, sometimes right. the wind is just so vocal and it just, you know, I don't know. Sure. You know, Chuck, yeah, uh, no. how would you yeah. describe you? I mean, if someone is, unfortunately, this is a radio show, but how would you describe yourself, what your work is? I mean, I know it's a lot of li- different layers, but give us kind of a thumbnail. Yeah. Like if someone is just listening to us, how would you describe that? Um. Well, I mean, I think the one thing that's been a real constant in my work over the years has been has been color, you know, I, I and and generally color and energy and a lot of really vibrant, vivid colors. I it's funny because you know you're seeing me like I I don't I don't look like or at least maybe it's changing now as that my work has evolved and maybe gotten more refined over the years, but um, I don't feel like uh, I dress or like some artists kind of take on the personality of their their output and their work and they end up like 
dressing like it or like their illustrators or make kind of like you know like they they look like one of their characters or their whether it's their style or whatever like i'm a very uniform like black t-shirt jeans like just very like only black and gray tattoos like just very kind of like don't look like the kind of intensity of my work um which is so in a crowd they wouldn't go oh artist no (laughs) honestly no and I, i i i it's funny i just feel uncomfortable if i ever like am dressing in like colors and stuff but when i sit down to make i really enjoy um seeing how colors mix and it just does something you know in my brain that's just really i respond to so yeah i mean color and light a lot of layers um a lot of just heavily tech a lot of texture um you know i try really hard to make i do a lot of different things too like i i kind of pride myself on my portfolio looking as if it took 10 different artists to make the work in there because like you could take some sets of work that I do, like a lot of my editorial illustration work for like ESPN or like a sports magazine or wall street journal or, or whatever it may be um, looks one way, but then some of my work for, you know, this other client or this other type of work or my personal work or, or whatever looks very different. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, just heavy contrasts and everything I do and, and just sort of um, not making it obvious that the computer was used is really important to me. Sure. Uh, you know, I think, or, or at least sort of like putting that aside, I don't want anybody to be able to pick apart how I made something um, or have it look filtered or have it look generic and, and sort of artificial. And I think that's a real challenge when you're using a computer. So, um, you know, most of my favorite artists are not digital artists even, you know, like, uh, so I think. I'm always kind of just realizing like that's what I'm good at, but I think I strive to have a, like, a final output that sort of resonates with, you know, a more sort of handmade sort of tactile quality. So who do you like? I mean, who's hanging on your walls? Who do you, what artists do you um, like? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different artists whose work I, I really love and has been, you know, meaningful to me in my career. I mean, you know, when I was young and, and like really first starting out and discovering, you know, street artists that were, you know, appealing right. to me, who I've like, I've, I've lost a little bit of my love for like that sort of style of work, I think over the years, but um, you know, when you're 17, 18, 19 and, and, you know, learning about Futura or learning about cause, especially before cause really became the sort of cultural phenomenon that he is today. And, and his background is sort of this like sort of punk kid stealing shelter bus shelter posters and replacing them with his artwork. There's a real appeal to the sort of rebellion uh, in that, that I, I was really drawn to and artists like, you know, James Jean and, and, um, you know, uh, now like a lot, I really love a lot of tattoo artists or painters and Scott Campbell and, um, uh, Wes Lang, but, uh, there's a lot of newer artists whose work I've really just discovered in the last couple of years, um, that I really love or digital artists, um, today that are doing really beautiful work. Holly Herndon is an artist who I'm really excited about a lot of the work, um, she's doing, um, and, uh, David Rudnick, graphic designer is a really fantastic guy and, and designer and, I don't know. I, I, my, I feel like my taste is kind of just constant. I'm very open-minded. I, I, I would never just be like, oh, I don't like this. I love that. Um, only this one thing. Um, and Ryan Travis Christian's a fine artist from Chicago who does a lot of pencil, pretty much all like pencil drawing work. And I love his work, his sensibilities. I'm really more drawn to sensibilities, I think, than um, necessarily like, you know, I can, I can pick up when an artist came from like a punk rock background that really resonates with me. Like I, like an artist like Raymond Pettibone, like his work is is very informative and influential to my work, but I don't really do a lot of stuff that looks like what he does, if that makes sense. But I yeah. resonate with the mindset or I resonate 
it resonates with me kind of like the, the, the approach he's taking. So you're listening to Art on the Air, WVLP 103.1 FM and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. I don't even know if this is possible, but it would be so interesting maybe to take your timeline from your current work and work backwards to see how you got to where you were. But if you want to go in either direction, it doesn't matter either from what you're doing now and kind of Mm -hmm. reflecting back on on what that, you know, how you got, you know, your your sensibilities now as opposed to when you first started. Right. There's an artist, uh, one of my favorite artists right now is named Sarah Gomez, just an incredible painter and he uses airbrush. Um, and makes these beautiful scenes, usually like Los Angeles, very LA kind of scenes. But I mean, super incredible hyper realism, like just mm-hmm. unbelievable work. But it's sort of like 90% of the painting will be out of focus and it's just texture and color. But you can tell it's a sky and like a uh, power lines in the distance. And then in the foreground is an incredibly sharp, you know, neon sign or the edge of like a car or something. And and the works are huge. And I don't know, like, I really, I'm, I'm kind of jealous and admire artists that do that type of work. I think I, I, I want to pause what I'm doing at some point and like stop and really learn, you know, some basics of painting or some of the fundamentals that I probably did miss by not going to school. I'm very cognizant that I didn't learn some foundational things by not going to school. And have I have to-, to hire people to help me when I find gaps mm-hmm. like that, which is frustrating, you know? Do you have time for personal work like that? Or are you so busy with the more commercial work that? Mm. That's that's... a great question right now, because I'm kind of in this flux at the moment, um, which is really exciting. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, like I said, so 18 years into into my career and this kind of the journey was the first 11 years, I was completely independent. um, And it was all it was like 80, 20 commercial personal work, I would say. So it was most like I was making my living from the client projects. And then I was sort of uh, supplementing uh, my my practice with personal work, and then using that personal work to help sort of evolve my offerings. You know, I'm I believe that what you put out there is is what you get in as an artist. So, you know, I would work on these personal projects while I was getting hired to do something for a client, and then hope that that personal work would inform the next client project I got, so that I was kind of always moving forward and never just doing the, the same thing. So. Um, 11 years of that. And then I kind of took a break from only doing that. And I ended up getting a job at an ad agency in Chicago for about three years, um, something I never thought I would do. But the uh, offer of being a, uh, the creative director of this huge agency came came across and, and I kind of had to take it. It just felt like a door that I wanted to explore what was behind. And I really learned a lot about uh, kind of delegating and managing other people's time and not necessarily having everything be about me all the time. And that was really important lessons to learn, stepping out of the limelight and trying to just oversee a project and not have my fingerprints all over it, but mm-hmm. move it forward. Um, and I tried and failed and tried and, and succeeded sometimes. Um, Steady yeah. paycheck with benefits. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, that was the other thing too, is that, you know, like my, so my wife's an attorney for the city of Chicago. So like, the benefit thing has been with that job, you know, she gets great benefits. So it was like, that was something when she got that job, I was like, wow, this is cool. We don't have to pay for our own health insurance right now. But like, for me, it was more like, yeah, the paycheck, the idea of like the same amount of money coming in every two weeks and the taxes were taken out for you kind of blew my mind. <laughs> you know, like, I was like, wow, people have been like, Freedom. This is like the, yeah, really. Um, and so that was good. It was good for me to experience that. And then I left that job and went to a different agency for about two and a half years until COVID basically blew it up because it was all experiential and events based. 
So last July in 2020, I was sort of forced back out on my own, which I think was the best thing that ever happened to me, um, which, you know, I did a few more client projects. And then at the start of 2020, this sort of, uh, you know, kind of revelation of NFTs happened. And I saw sort of this avenue open up to possibly focus more on personal work. And so you're kind of catching me at this time where I'm seeing sort of the beginning of the next chapter for me, where I want to switch that 80-20 client personal and strive for like 80-20, you know, personal client, maybe eventually even more to where I'm only ever doing exactly only what I want to do. Right. And maybe taking one or two dream client jobs in the course of a year or something like that. So how much does photography, and then of course one, the second part of that question, how much does photography you know, used in your work as an original source piece? And then I'm looking at your website, uh, nopattern.com, go there to see a lot of Chuck's work, and the Unreal Architecture. So maybe explore yeah. both of those things for me. Sure, yeah. I mean, so photography has been like, just a real staple of my work uh, on all sides, like whether it's client work or personal work, photography has played a huge a huge role. Um, so, you know, I, I, I was in a band in high school and I got a really crappy digital camera back then. It would have been like 2000, 2001, you know, just take like the world's worst pictures in hindsight. But at the time it was like, you're telling me I can just like take a picture and pop it in my computer and have it in Photoshop in two seconds instead of like scanning something. So I was really sort of like how when I learned Microsoft Paint, you know, for the first time, I was like, wow, this is really cool. Now I have this asset and I can play with it and manipulate it. Um, and so, yeah, photography really quickly became instrumental in my practice. And I think what I realized is I'm a pretty good photographer, but I think I'm much better at taking the photos and, and doing things with them and using them as a, as a baseline. So, yeah, I think I've, I've got a good eye and I know how to compose a photo and I can take a nice photo. Uh, but I get more excited about once I have that, like now, what can I what can I do with it? So, you know, yeah, that Unreal Architecture series, you know, I mean, I, I really love uh, taking photos alone at night a lot of times, just sort of like a meditative practice almost, something that I learned when I was like 18 years old and I would just go for a drive and hope for a foggy night, bring my tripod and take pictures. And a lot of my first kind of really, really well-known works were just these empty parking lots um, that I would take photos of and add color to and became kind of my most famous pieces um, and works that you know became stolen a lot or just kind of became what I uh, was really known for. Um, but yeah, using photography is big. And, and to me, you know, if I can be the one that takes the photo, that's important to me too. But of course, sometimes with client work, they're just like, here you go. We have a bunch of, let's just say it's ESPN magazine. Who I do a lot of stuff with, we've got 15 photos of NBA players, but we don't want to just run them as is. It's just, kind of, they need more. How can you kind of take the mundane and elevate it? So I see my prompt sort of like my, um, you know, offering to clients as taking sort of the, the bland sort of just stock and adding to it, whether it's adding oh, color and en- right. yeah, really just like adding like a layer of energy and light and color or cutting it out and making it sort of surreal and, and, and layering it up with other objects or elements or, and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, photography plays a real role. I've kind of, uh, you know, changed how I use it over the years, uh, incorporate elements of it into my work or maybe just little bits and pieces of it. But I mean, photography is great because, I mean, you know, you know, as cameras have gotten better and we have our phones with us all the time, it doesn't have to be such a uh, sort of dramatic process of (laughs) lugging things around and you just have your camera with you all the time. And, you know, so I'm just constantly documenting things like I take my dog for a walk every morning and I always take photos in the park of flowers or the sky or whatever. And I put all those photos into this one folder, you know, on my Dropbox. And I often pull from those photos and use just 
elements of it in, in work through a collage or whatever it may be. Um, is most of your photography uh, done just with your uh, either iPhone or a uh, uh, cell phone? Or um, no, I wouldn't say. Well, I mean, I would say like a lot of the just the sort of um, you know sort of library of images that I've built up for myself. A lot of those just everyday sort of photos. I, I make sure to save them and, and try to incorporate them. But like you know, I have my my good camera and my lenses, and when I'm like, okay, I really need to get some quality imagery here for a project or whatever, um, you know, then I'll go and, and do that. Or when I really want to experiment with something, or if I really want to, um, you know, if I really have an idea for a project and, you know, whatever, I'll maybe take a couple test photos. Like I see the, the phone as almost like the pencil napkin sketch and right. then the, the, the quote unquote good camera as the, okay, like now I've got all my, now this is the real deal. Um, you know, my proof of concept is, is good. Now I need to actually take the good photos of it. So Chuck, what is your good yeah. camera? Um, I'm still on a Sony a seven R two. It's several years old now. Um, but it's basically been, you know, I was on, I was on a Canon, um, Mark three, I want to say for years before that, um, I moved over to using the Sony and I'm probably due for an upgrade, but I haven't really dug around into like what, you know, can new cameras in a little while, but um, you know, for me, it's one of those things I think as artists, we tend to really geek out on and get hung up on the tool. Um, and right. I know there are better cameras and things that I could use, but honestly, like for me, I have what I do need at the moment and it's, you know, how to use like, it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, a, I don't know. I think of it like a great guitar player could pick up some crappy old thrift store guitar and absolutely shred and sound amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or a really incredible photographer should be able to pick up a disposable camera or a really great illustrator can use a, a box of dull Crayola crayons and make something beautiful. So that's, I try, I try not to get too hung up on the tools, you know, um, but, you know, sometimes technology sort of dictates that you do get hung up on them, you upgrade. So, you know, uh, I, I, yeah, I tend not to like dwell on that too much. Just yeah, I know, I know many photographers who are what I call equipment photographers. Oh, look what I've got. I've got this and this. And it's like, but what photos do you take with it? So, yeah, mm -hmm. I agree with you. That's sure. it. it is just a tool. So, and I am yeah. a Canon shooter, but. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You mentioned that your sensibilities have changed and refined. Mm -hmm. So do your commercial clients contact you um, based on original work mostly? And, and are you able to, I guess with everything, it's subject to what the client is hoping is, for, yeah. but are you able to inject where you are now or are they mostly? Yeah. yeah. Um, I would say so. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, you know, and to be honest with you, like I, I'm never, you know, if a client comes to me and really want, hey, you did this thing eight years ago, we really love this. You know, for me, I don't, I don't see my skill set as this sort of, you know, I, once I know how to do something, I, I lock it away and put it away and never use it again, you know, so I, I think my job now is to do the best version of that, you know, uh, but I, I'm lucky because I think none of my clients come to me and say, hey, do this exact thing. I think a lot of clients are actually hesitant to show because uh, oftentimes they'll say, can you show me what was the work of mine you saw first that made you think to want to hire? Me? And I always ask that question because I don't do just one type of work. Right. So I kind of want to know what led them down the path to arrive at like, you're going to pay me real money. Why? Show me why. Like, show me the two or three pieces that resonated with you. And then I'll do my best to sort of channel, you know, the energy that went into that work and then make the now, you know, the me now version of that work. And then if we need to go back and forth to get it right, but I'm usually just focused on what's right for the project. 
um, style is very secondary. You know, I'll, I'll just make sure the idea is sound and that I feel really good about the project. And that's kind of like one of the, that, that's not something I would have said 15 years ago. I think I was like a say yes to everything, make sure it looks cool. Um, I can't, I, that's, I, I feel like I've evolved past that mindset now. I really want to feel a project is worth my while and I want to make sure that, you know, it, it has a, a real place in my, in my practice and in my body of work. And it's something I'll be proud to show people. Um, and then it's not sort of going backwards. Like as long as I'm not going backwards, you know, I don't mind even doing something that looks like what I did 15 years ago, but it should technically be a lot better version of that. You know what I mean? No. So, <laughs> so are you still cold emailing? Is there anybody on your desire list that you would like to work, work with? Yeah. Oh man. I, so like cold emailing was, you know, again, now we have DMS and social media yeah, and all yeah. these other ways to contact people. And I'm very aware. Here's my thing. Like, you know, I'm keenly aware that we're all competing for, I mean, artists are, you know, or at least in my circle, everyone's kind of competing for the same eyeballs and the same dollars. It's very noisy. I think you have to be aware of that. It's not just you out there clamoring for attention. It's there's around the world, there are millions of other people trying to get attention from clients or collectors or what have you. Um, and so, you know, I mean, I've built up a really good reputation over the last 18 years. And, and I think I've built a good name for myself and and try to maintain a, a, an image that is respectable and has integrity behind it. And people know what I stand for and the type of work I do. Um, but I also try not to be salesy and I don't want to come off like, you know, like, so I think it's just how I, how I package that up when I sort of pitch myself to someone um, in an email or a DM or whatever, I can sort of set myself apart um, with a really short and sweet note be like, look, my work will do the talking. And if you're interested, let's talk. I'd love to chat, you know, kind of thing. And yeah, I mean, I, I use, I use that all the time. I reach out to people all the time. And I think it's an in your approach. Um, there's like a, you know, you don't want to be, you want to make, I mean, honestly, like you to think about like a, what a, you know, a really good doctor it really should make you feel like you're their only patient of the day or a really good, whoever it is, you should feel in that moment, like they've made you feel like it's just you. And I don't ever want, I don't, I'm not going to try and act like a collector, an art collector or a client is going to actually believe that they're the only person in the world I could possibly be talking to. But I do think that there's something about writing a very sort of, you know, like bespoke custom, like intentional, thoughtful, purposeful note uh, in an email or a DM or whatever it may be and making sure that you've done your research and you're speaking to them. And it's not like, all right, I typed this thing out and I'll copy paste to as many people as I can. And it's just like t-shirt canon that are that like note out to like as many people that and see who catches it. Like, you know, so I try and be thoughtful. I mean, I'll even not write out, you know, reach out to someone if I'm like, there's just, this doesn't make sense, you know? So yeah, I, I got, I got my relationship started with the Chicago bulls that way. I've been working with the bulls for like five years and I reached out to them because I, at the time I thought the photography on their Instagram could have been uh, a lot better than it was. That's just the reality. I thought, it, and, and they were interested in me saying that and invited me to come shoot a game, and and that kind of set off a chain of events that led me working with them a lot over the years and took a substantial, you know, uh, sort of amount of space in my portfolio. And it was all because I was just like, here's what I think I can do for you. Let's just talk sometime. Let's just have a chat. So I would encourage all artists to do that. I think it's important, um, but it's tough because not all artists are confident enough to do that or feel like they want to it's like, I just made my work. Can it sell? And it's like, I don't know this day and age, like you got to figure out like what works for you as a, 
as sort of putting yourself out there. It's just sort of a, you really don't have so much is timing though too like on the day that they open that or look at that maybe they're in the mood for it and maybe they're not it's so subjective you're listening to art on the air wvlp 103.1 fm and on lakeshore public radio 89.1 fm and i'm looking at your uh, chicago bull site uh, last the last dance right now and some of the work there and very very interesting and uh, kind of the Michael Jordan almost salute you have there and everything. Mm-hmm. One thing I wanted to find out is, do you ever exhibit your things in a gallery or are you just too busy with the actual yeah. work? No, yeah. So as I said, I think, you know, I'm in this, I'm, you're catching me in this sort of really exciting time because I'm I'm making a very concerted effort to evolve my practice. I don't, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be... 50 and waiting in 15 years and like waiting for the next magazine project and like, all right, when's the next client thing? Like there's a sort of like grab the bull by the horns and like sort of really take control of, of the next phase of my career. So, um, you know, I, I, I really am making a very concerted intentional effort to start to sort of evolve my, my personal work and my sort of practice as just who I am as an artist outside of the bounds of, of clients um, and that's been happening a lot this year, again, with the rise of, of NFTs and the rise of digital art becoming more acceptable as as a sort of new medium that is being accepted and discussed and critiqued in the right alongside of, of traditional art in, in settings that are usually reserved for traditional artists and Christie's and the Sotheby's and the Phillips, the auction houses of the world. There's galleries that are trying to figure out like, OK, like where does this fit into who we represent, who we show? And that's exciting because there's a whole generation of artists who came up on the computer and not many of them have been sort of given the blessing of being, you know, quote unquote, real artists. And I understand that, you know, there's an old guard of, of fine art and traditional art that has to gatekeep. And I think a lot of people feel like, hey, what I do is valid. And so that's something that I'm seeing right now. And I just want to play my hand the right way for the long term. I don't want to just have like a splashy, fun 2021 while this sort of new NFT stuff is happening. So yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I mean, I've been um, getting more sort of with, with gallery stuff. I have a um, gallery, uh, I'm a group show I was just a part of in LA and sold a couple works there um, and all digital works, by the way. Um, and then a group show I'm a part of in Chicago in August that was just announced today. And um, I just see more and more of that happening as we can consider a screen to be a viable place to show the work. I think the difference for me, maybe from someone who's younger is, uh, or not even younger, but just someone who's just really does digital stuff is I really still want to do physical, like I want to do sculptural installation, physical type work. I just did a collaboration with Chicago, uh, Soho House Chicago. That was very much me collaborating with a fabricator who does, you know, big cuts on a CNC machine of this big acrylic, you know, and we put this really beautiful dichroic sort of holographic film on the acrylic and then he cut out the shapes and, and the stuff that I made. And then we projected onto those shapes. And so I think things like that are really intriguing to me and a really sort of natural evolution of the work that I've done over the years. That was mostly for print. You know, I'm a print artist. I, I mean, I'm really, a, my, my background really is in print. Um, and now I'm seeing sort of like, and feeling like I want to create things that are a little more something that people could step into a little more physically and um, kind of mix those two things. So, yeah. How has COVID uh, uh, impacted you? Uh, you touched just briefly on that, both uh, as yeah. as your work, but also personally. And when you, yeah, man, uh, COVID's. You know, I mean, I'm trying to think how to. It's it's such a weird thing because you know I want to say that there's been really positive things that come out of it, not out of COVID, but out of the sort of impact it had. I mean, I do think that 
I, you know, am in this position in my career right now that I'm really excited about as a result of COVID, certainly, and, or at least as a result of what happened because of COVID and enforcing my, my sort of my time at the agency I was at to come to an end. You know, I think a lot of people have been thrust into positions either that they wanted to be and it sort of helped propel them to a next phase or, or they've gone backwards. And I, and that's, and I get that that's happened to a lot of people in my life, you know, family, friends, um, et cetera. Um, you know, for me, it was tough. I mean, it was, you know, my, I have a, I have a toddler. And so having to manage being at home and my wife being at home and having a toddler at home for 16 months was a challenge, but we all fortunately really like each other and, <laughs> and, and managed out like a schedule and, and, you know, um, figured out how to do that. And, um, I, I tend to be a night owl, but I like getting up early too. It's kind of this curse, you know, I can work late at night, I can work early and, so it's just I started trying to find a rhythm and, and do my best uh, with that, but certainly changed a lot. Um, but yeah, now that I'm in my new studio here, my wife's back at work, uh, my daughter's back in daycare. We're constantly on edge, of course. You know, being really respectful of what we need to do in this situation to keep ourselves, you know, safe and everything. Um, it's it's been hard, but I think we've all gotten more comfortable on Zoom calls, and I think it's actually forced me to sort of quote unquote meet. Uh, more people that might not have taken the time to actually talk to face to face, you know, at least uh, over a screen. Um, and I think that's been a, a positive effect. But I mean, it's a net negative for the world, no doubt about it. There's, <laughs> there's no way, no two ways about it. But I guess right. you try and find the silver linings and, you know, well, it's, I mean, it's I, devastating yeah. for the world, but there has to be a balance. And the balance is that people's yeah. lives have changed. And, and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And remaining aware, aware of that and cognizant of that, how how much it's impacted my family is I can't even get into, you know, health wise some of the things that have happened in the last year have been really devastating um, in my family, uh, both immediate and extended. It's been really difficult. Um, and I think I just see an obligation to continue working. I, the world isn't going to stop, you know, for anyone. So it's sort of like I got to get up and, and keep moving for my family, you know, and, and continue doing what I do. And um, I'm very lucky to be able to even do this at all. Right. I mean, we're talking about this in the context of artists, but a lot of people didn't have a choice to be around a lot of people or their job was basically eradicated altogether. And, and mine moves as much as I want it to move, essentially, is how I see it. So I, I feel like I'm in a very fortunate position in life. And, and if I waste that opportunity, then I'm really kind of doing a disservice to everybody in a way. I mean, you know what I mean? I just think I'm, I'm lucky to do this and can only complain so much. And I, <laughs> I, I just try and remember that. I guess. So did you have um, an installation at Lollapalooza or what? Yeah, it was at uh, it was at Soho House, um, Chicago, which is like a members kind of like club. They have events and all sorts of stuff like that. And yeah, so did that like that installation I was talking about. And it was kind of in conjunction with Lollapalooza, um, you know, and to kind of just celebrate, you know, music and, and um, just this very colorful, you know, kind of experience that was on screens and on these you know large pieces. And yeah, it was a lot of fun to, to do that. Um, so yeah. What are you looking forward to doing? Uh, of course we don't know with the Delta variant here, but, uh, getting <laughs> yeah. out, assuming, assuming the past, whatever it was the past COVID or post real past COVID, what are you looking forward to doing? Um, I think, uh, evolving, you know, in my work and continuing to see what it means to just have time. What do I do with the kind of time I have right now as an artist? I think I'm just looking forward to seeing like what comes out, comes out of me creatively because I just am filled with ideas. But a lot of times it's like, okay, when are you going to sit down and start to execute? So 
um, I think the opportunities that are coming out of what I've put in, like I said before, you know, you, the out, you know, you, your input is very correlated to your output. And so I think I'm just looking forward to seeing what kind of opportunities come um, from, you know, the type of work that I'm doing now, collaborating with other artists and learning from other artists is a really big one for me too. And, and yeah, um, I don't know. I'm just excited because there's sort of like, it's, I'm at this spot where I just don't know. I really don't know what's around the corner and that, that, that's exciting. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, real quick, as we wrap up here, uh, Chuck, tell us uh, how people can see your work online, the various places there yeah. are. I have basically uh, been able to grab the, the name No Pattern just about everywhere. So nopattern.com and at nopattern on all the socials. That's, that's it. You Google No Pattern. Yeah. I'm, I'm very easy to find. So and I appreciate your guys' time. It was a lot of fun to, to do this interview and chat yeah. with you. Thank you. Well, we really appreciate you coming on Art in the Air. Again, a Chicago-based practice, artist, designer, photographer, and creative director, Chuck Anderson. And you can find him at nopattern.com or some variation of that. I'm sure if you do a Google search, you can see his work. I know I did earlier. So, Chuck, thank you so much for coming on Art in the Air and sharing your uh, life story and your art. Yeah, yeah my fantastic. pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. You've been listening to Art in the Air, and we'd like to thank our guests this week on WVLP 103.1 FM and Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM, our weekly program covering arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. Art in the Air is heard every Friday at 11 a.m. and rebroadcast Monday at 5 p.m. on WVLP. Art in the Air streams live at WVLP.org and is rebroadcast on Monday at 5 p.m. Plus is also heard on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM every Sunday at 7 p.m. Also streaming live at lakeshorepublicradio.org and is available on Lakeshore Public Radio's website as a podcast. Our spotlight interviews are also heard Wednesdays on Lakeshore Public Radio. Thanks again to Greg Kovach, WVLP Station Manager, and Tom Maloney, Vice President of Radio Operations for Lakeshore Public Radio. Our theme music is by Billy Foster with a vocal by Renee Foster. Art in the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant and the National Endowment for the Arts. Underwriters for Art in the Air, Walt Breidinger of Paragon Investments, and Mary LeVan, Arts Patron. Information about Art in the Air is available at our website, breck.com slash AOTA. That's breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com slash AOTA. That includes a complete show archive, spotlight interviews, plus our show is available on multiple podcast platforms, including NPR One. Please like us on Facebook, Art on the Air, WVLP, for information about upcoming shows and interviews. If you're interested in being a guest or send us information about your arts, arts-related event, or exhibit, please email us at aota at breck.com. That's aota at breck, B-R-E-C-H, dot com, or contact us through our Facebook page. Your hosts were Larry Breckner and Esther Golden, and we invite you back next week for another episode of Art on the Air. Aloha, everyone. Have a splendid week. Express yourself through art. And show the world your heart Express yourself through art And show the world your heart You're in the know with Esther and Larry Art on the air today Stay in the know with Larry and Esther Art on the air our way Express yourself through art And show the world your heart Express yourself through art and show the world your